morning, Heart and Soul family, and welcome to our Sunday celebration service. Today is Sunday, July 25th. My name is Sonia Russell. I am a proud founding member and licensed practitioner here at Heart and Soul Center of Light, and it is my great pleasure to welcome you to our Sunday celebration service and to let you know how you can be engaged. I want to make sure that you know you have not missed meditation. We are shifting our flow in an effort to be efficient and effective and give us the opportunity to really lean into our world-class teaching and empowering in a way that feels uh, more succinct. And so we're grateful for this shift because we're not going back to anything as we move into coming back together soon. But we want to know that our intention is to really be succinct in our communication. And so this time moving forward will be for me to remind you where you can find the things that we offer most consistently, and then we will lead into our devotional time. Today, that devotional time is being facilitated by practitioner Felicia Williams-Cozy. And then following my making sure that you know what's coming up and available, we will lean into devotional, and then we will go into our uh, inspirational time. And so I want to make sure that I remind you that our theme continues to be Adventures in Faith Rise Up. We are daily reading around the year with Emmett Fox. We're inviting you to be connected in all the ways that you can be connected online. And we are continuing to be grateful for everything with no complaints whatsoever. For access to prayer, for access to our Monday gatherings, um, to have our book study for Around the Year with Emmett Fox, and all the other ways in which you can consistently find us, you can visit our website www.heartsoulcenter.org. You can also give at any time during service. We will have, or at any time during any day, at the end of service today, we'll have an opportunity to give in community, but we invite you to give anytime by visiting our website. You can visit heartsoulcenter.org slash give, and you can also text to give. We just want to make sure that you know that there are ways in which you can be engaged, and I'm going to let you know the most important and the call to action pieces that we have coming up. Starting with reminding you about your COVID vaccines, you can visit covid-19.acgov.org to find out about where there are COVID vaccines available in your area. Uh, you can text your zip code to 438829, and they will give you some information about that. You can also call 800-232-0233. And family, summer school begins this Wednesday. And if you are not already signed up, you are missing out. So get yourself to your computer. Get yourself signed up, heartsoulcenter.org slash summer school 2021. And check this out. When you trust and open your heart, life seems to take a brand new start. When you trust, when you believe, get ready for the good things you will receive. Let the power in you tell you just what to do.
Thank you so much, Sonia. Good morning, my name is Felicia Williams Cozy and it is my honor and pleasure to be facilitating our devotional segment of our service. Our devotional is a time for us to invoke our community vision statement together, to center ourselves by spending about five minutes in stillness and then anchor ourselves in prayer. Our vision statement is our opportunity to declare our intention into the world. It speaks to who we are and how we operate. So this is our time to recite and declare our intention together. We are a loving and compassionate, world-class teaching and empowerment ministry. Through a consciousness of universal God presence, we release all resistance, separation, and fear. We claim our personal liberation and accept the eternal availability of joy, love, and abundance. Through our intention to be love and spread joy, we engender reflections of the same and more in others. Our ministry is a gift to the world which expands through our practice and dedication. We welcome all people, and together we make a quantifiable positive difference on the planet. And so it is. Beloveds, even as we have centered ourselves in our visions, let us now take the opportunity to also center ourselves in stillness. So wherever you are, I invite you to make yourself comfortable so that you may be open to divine guidance. Know that right where you are, God is, and therefore it is a safe and sacred space. So if you are willing, I invite you to gently allow your eyes to close and relax into this sacred moment. Please join me in taking a deep, conscious breath as we breathe in and release with a sigh. Now give thanks for your breath as you gently allow it to return to its natural rhythm. 
Let your breath be an ever-present reminder of your oneness with spirit and its ever-availability as a guide and source of inner peace, love, and clarity, regardless of outer circumstances. As we enter the stillness, continue to focus on your breath, and I offer this affirmation as our guide. I have been that I have been. I am that I am, and I will be what I will be simultaneously.
the silence. We offer this prayer as we recognize the one life, that one energy, that divine spirit that woke me up this morning, that is the spark of life that is each and every person here and everywhere. It is that divine love that is at the core of our very being, that connects everything across the universe, that brings the pleasure of sight and sound and touch and feel and smell, that alivens and awakens and connects. And I know that I am one with this divine love, this spirit that I choose to call God known by so many names, always in the presence as love. And as I know that my, I am one with this spirit, I know that this is true for each and every one of us, for there really is only one of us here. And so I declare that this is a good God day that this is a day to rejoice and to celebrate, to stop and pause and recognize all of the blessings that we already experience. It is also a day to open ourselves to receive even more of the goodness that God has in store. And so I know that this is a blessed day. And as we are blessed, we give thanks for those who bless us all of the volunteers who got up early this morning to come and prepare the space, both the in-person present space as well as the online space that allows us to connect around the globe in the goodness of God this day. We give thanks for our practitioners who pray without ceasing, for our ministers who guide and support and lift and challenge and move us. Oh, and we give thanks for our beloved Reverend Andrea Earl, who continues to say the sacred yes, to guide, to support, to challenge, to model, and to take us forward as community. And so in gratitude for all of the blessings that are raining down upon us this day, I simply say yes and invite you to join me in the yes. So we open our hearts, open our minds, and open our spirits to rely, to receive all of the goodness that is available right here, right now. And so as we breathe this in together, relaxing, letting go in gratitude, I release this word into the activity of love and law, knowing that love always says yes. And I invite you to anchor this with me by saying, Amen, Ashe, and so it is. Thank you, Felicia. You know, y'all, good morning, heart and soul. I am so grateful for our shift in 
our flow for the service. Because that devotional period, can I just say in the vernacular, that rocks. I feel that. That's, and, and I think another thing that I appreciate about it is that I have a sense that more of us are engaged in it as well. I think that in person and virtually, a lot of us arrived after we had already done our centering, after we'd completed the meditation. And so there's something that I love about, at least in my mind, in what I call my heart mind, that we're all in this together. And that feels good. So I'm grateful. Thank you, Felicia. That was beautiful. That felt good. I want to remind us because <clears throat> I think on this adventure in faith that, that I'm always focused on, no, regardless of what theme or title or, or sense you may extract, I'm forever reminding us that this is an adventure in faith. And for an adventure in faith and on an adventure in faith, you got to bring your faith. That's the whole idea. And so life is serving up to us opportunities for us to rely on our faith, to be in touch with our faith. And today, yesterday, the day before, the day after tomorrow is no different. So even in our centering, we have for years now been affirming that I have been, that I have been. I am that I am. I will be that I will be simultaneously, and I have to add at the same time, because it reminds us that all of this is happening in us right now. There is only now. So when we try to not in a Sankofa kind of way, which really honors that it's all now, that we are simply bringing in our consciousness, in our conscious awareness, this nowness, which is where the work can be done, where the shift can happen, where the awareness is always. And so this notion that that whatever it is that is to happen, whatever our heart's desire is, whatever our dream is, whatever our vision is, is now. Is now. So this idea that I align with from a, an aspect, align out of the Centers for Spiritual Living vision statement, that we see a world that works for everyone. For somebody would say everybody. For all is my preference. That we see a world where we are called to social action, to conscious social action, which to me is saying two, at least two things. There's several things in there that we can unpack, but two that I want to highlight is that our vision is that the world can work for all, that we've not given up on that. There are those who, well, mm, some of us may have gathered what we call evidence that that's not possible. I'm particularly speaking to y'all today. For anybody who has already gone on record to say it ain't possible, I am speaking specifically to you because I'm saying not only is it possible, but it's ours to do. And that's that conscious social action is 
believe it, and then bring something that is in alignment with it so that your actions are in alignment with your vision. Sometimes we miss that. And then I want to remind you what Valerie Kaur said is that anytime we worry that we're dreaming too big, so if what I just said, a world that works for all feels like, oh, Rev, pull it in some. What if it could just work for the people on my block? What about the people just in my family? I'm like, no, don't try to downsize it. Let's go for the gold, for real, for real. So she says that we must remind each other. So see, I'm coming today to remind you that every unjust social action, every social institution, think Jim Crow, for example, and then you can think about all of the other things that you're aware of that all of those seemed permanent at one point to somebody. Now, there have always been those with the, conscious, the consciousness of social action who never believed it was permanent, but there are a lot of people who did, that that's just the way it is. Think slavery for 400 years. Generation over generation over generation, somebody believed that's just going to be the way it is. And somebody wanted it to be that way forever. But it isn't. So somebody began to imagine it otherwise. This is in part why Mother Harriet Tubman is our matron saint, because she is symbolic of this idea of imagining it otherwise. This is our work. This is our social activism. The inner stroke to it is imagination, imagining it otherwise. Something else can happen. So look, Ernest Holmes says that life will be to you what you are to it. Come on, Mother Harriet, help us understand your understanding of that. Life will be to you. It will show up for you in the way that you understand and believe life to be. Oh, some of y'all are already shifting how that is, and for good reason. Because when you understand that it's done unto you as you are yet believing, some of us will go, oh, Lord, please no. Give me an opportunity to shift my belief real quick. Now that I understand how life gets to be the way it is, I'm going to play full out. Ernest Holmes says, of necessity, there is a divine pattern in the very center of everything. And that's you too. That this is the Christ in you waiting your recognition. So the moment you get, oh, me, this notion of I have been that I have been (laughs) and that I am what I am and that I will be what I will be, you mean that that divinity is awaiting my recognition of the all and all is me? Oh, I can work something out. Once I come, I say to myself, once I come to myself in what I call a prodigal daughter kind of way, once I realize that it was never the way I thought it was, It was never like that. And the way that it is includes me in an empowering way. Ernest Holmes says, and this is a message for me. I just happen to be sharing it with y'all. So pay attention if you want. Your enthusiastic anticipation and happy contentment water the seed of faith. 
which you have placed in the soil. That's my message. I'm just letting y'all know what my message is to me. So break off a piece if it's for you as well. But it says that it's watering the seed that I have placed in the soil of divine substance. Come on. And that what? Believing this. See, I, this is my engagement part. I must believe it. So believing this, do not delay the joy of possessing until tomorrow. This is not a by and by. That's not what we teach and that's not, we endeavor, that's not what we're endeavoring to, endeavoring to practice. It's a by and by. It'll come later on, on the other side. No, this is a right now. Because what? There's only right now. I am that I have been. I am as I am, and I am as I will be right now. There's only, oh, y'all. There's only right now. There are no tomorrows, Ernest Holmes says. <laughs> Get busy right now. No tomorrows in divine mind. Your tomorrow is merely more of God today. There's a t-shirt for somebody there. There's a hashtag. There's a get busy with what needs to happen to remind us that your tomorrow, that that you're putting off, is but an expanded today for the divine, for source. I'm trying to say something y'all don't necessarily, you don't have to understand because I get it. Life is a mirror, Ernest Holmes says. Life is a mirror reflecting your images of thought. So, <laughs> I love it. But it's a little scary for somebody, isn't it? I'm good. They're looking at me in a way that kind of, okay, cool. Life is a mirror reflecting your images of thought. That's kind of like a drop Mike moment, isn't it? It's an awakening. Life is a mirror that reflects your images of thought. I can hear y'all. Say it ain't so, Rev. Say it ain't so. Because we don't want that to be it, but it is. It's what we've been, our worst fear that we have been practicing in hatching, essentially, incubating. And then we look in the mirror and we like, see, didn't I tell you? I'm like, yeah, it was all that telling that put it there. So it's not like you're prophetic. You are instead consistent. And it's your consistency that is showing up in your life. Your consistent doubt, your consistent worry, your consistent absence of faith. Unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. Help thou my little bit of belief. Help me expand in a way that it matters. So Ernest Holmes says, if you see confusion in your mirror, do not blame the law of reflection. Don't break the mirror. Don't be mad at the mirror. Don't be mad at the reflection. Understand. In fact, don't even blame yourself in that. But be willing to acknowledge that this confusion that you see in the reflection is but a reflection of your own consciousness. And don't be mad about it. This is a, this is a new learning for me. I, I told you, this ain't no mountaintop teaching. 
This is not me, just I didn't accomplished it. Now I've come to share with y'all who don't know no better. This ain't that. I'm in the don't know no better and trying to do better in the moment. It's the right nowness of it. And I have I have often in my in my work, in my realization, in my conscious awareness, there's been much too much blame. There's been much too much, aha, I see that in me now. And so then I kind of take me out back and either at minimally give myself a good talking to. <laughs> and if it's a bad day, I, you may have to get a whipping <laughs> about that. It's just, I'm just telling you the truth. So I am evolving even as I speak these words to you that this notion of looking in the mirror is not an invitation to beat you up. It's not an invitation to then revert to some form of shame and blame. It's none of that. It is a point of awareness where you say, oh, I needed to know that. Thank you. It's a point of gratitude, isn't it? It's a blessing on blessing on blessing. Because what? I needed to know that. Walking in the world unaware, I needed to know that about me. This reflection of my own consciousness is essential, but I must see it through new eyes. I must see it through eyes that can contain what is mine to be and what is mine to do. I'm talking about change because I'm, <laughs> I'm a change agent, y'all, but I I'm working on that being a loving change guidance. I'm done dragging me to enlightenment, kicking and screaming. Now you going. It's time for a new, a new e experience in me. I don't want you to misunderstand. It's, it's me for me. I'm talking about me right now, me and me. This is about me choosing to love and appreciate me in it all. So it's me looking with very, it's a critical look. And I don't mean criticism. I mean that part of the brain that will engage and let me know what I need to know here. And once I know it, I'm lovingly embracing it. And then I'll see what I'm going to do with it. Because sometimes I think I, I want to change more than I actually want to. And I'm just getting that more recently. Do you understand what I'm saying in my own development? So it's been like, oh, okay, let's go here. Like diet. I know don't nobody, nobody doing that because then nobody had no pandemic pounds but me. <laughs> Y'all were just fine handling your little body business and everything was just fine. But for me and my house, we got all out of hand. We were over there cooking like there were three, four people in the house and there was only one. And then we were eating like we were three, four people. <laughs> and so it turned out very different for me. And I began saying, oh, I'm going to handle that. I know what to do. But then my behavior did not change in alignment with what I was saying about what my intention was. Now, we eventually aligned it a little better. But it took a while for me to realize that when I first began speaking and beating up, I wasn't even that that was not my vision for me. 
I could tell by my behavior. But I couldn't get to it because every time I realized that I took me out back for a little whipping. And so I could not, I, I could not align, I could not integrate, if you will. I could not reconcile all that was open for me in the infinite possibility realm because I was being so critical of me in the moment. Does this make sense? Well, that's good because it don't even have to because it's for me. I'm just like saying it, I don't, ooh, I got to fix this saying it on mic in front of people. So, okay, thank you. So look, Audrey Gilbert, when she was in high school, wrote a song entitled Change. And I want you to hear it. Part of the lyric says, if there is a change we want to see, why don't we stand up for what we believe? Make step at a time. See, I'm going to inject here that that's those steps at a time are points of awareness. Points of awareness. But it's in the now, not like the future point of awareness. It's what, are we, what am I aware of right now? She says, so get out of your head. What are you waiting for? Here's her song, Change. Souls are dying every day. It takes our breath away All we ever do is cry People living on the street Though our eyes are closed Their heart still beats We just walk on by When will we stop this game?
Huge shout out and thanks to Audrey Gilbert for her beautiful voice and delivery of the song and the writing of those lyrics, reminding us that we're the ones, Alice Walker, we're the ones we've been waiting on. We're the ones to make the change. And, and look here, because <coughs> the experts say that change is one of the things that folks are afraid of that so many folks are change-phobic. I am prayerful that we can invoke today some divine expectancy. That rather than the fear and resistance, rather than, <coughs> excuse me, rather than any of the energy that has us draw back our sense of the importance and the value in change that we can move ourselves towards divine expectancy, that I'll remind you that Ernest Holmes says that expectancy speeds progress. So I know that some of us have been trained in, in their families of origin and in their culture and in their schools, et cetera, that do not expect too much because you lead to disappointment and whatever else they said about it. I'm come today to say, let's try something else. Maybe, you know, I'm not going to say they was wrong, but let's just have an experiment. And in order to do this experiment right, righteously, it means that we must really go for it. You can't just say, well, I kind of expect it. But I mean move to it to the point where you either prove or disprove that what Ernest Holmes says, that expectancy speeds progress. I like the sound of that because I'm all about the progress. And if expectancy is going to juice it up, if it's going to add a quality to it that's beneficial, then why don't we try it? Just for drill, let's see if expectancy isn't beneficial. He says he invites us to live in a continual state of expectancy. I know some of y'all already feeling woe out by that. <laughs> a continual state of expectancy? Well, what's the alternative? I'm just saying. So if you're not in a continual <laughs> continual state of expectancy, what exactly is your continual state? Because you're in a continual state. So if it's not expectancy, is it doubt? Is it fear? Is it worry? What is it? Let's not worry about naming it. Let's just say, well, for right now, we're going to get in on the experiment. This is why I got something in the mail. You know, as birthdays come along, you start, Popo wants you to be in this study, as it turns out. So this can be one of those. Act like you got the letter. And now you're going to be a part of the study as to whether the degree to which expectancy speeds progress. <laughs> 
So whatever your vision is, whatever your dream is, whatever your prayers are, we're going to add expectancy consciously and intentionally. Because Ernest Holmes says that no matter how much good you're expecting today, expect greater tomorrow. I'm not inviting you to be greedy. I'm inviting you to shift your consciousness, your approach, your sense of what's happening for you and in the world. He says, expect to meet new friends. So give up the, the lonely, whatever it is that you've been feeling around that, and expect to meet new friends. Now, for some of us, that's a little scary. Some of us are like, you know, they ought to keep that little six feet distancing at the grocery store because people can't touch my hair from six feet away. You know, I can't ask. To t you know, there's some interesting responses that we have. But instead, so rather than expecting to be assaulted at the grocery store and imposed upon, we can shift to say, expect to meet new friends. All righty then. All right, he says, expect to meet new and wonderful experiences. Try whatever it is. Be Goldilocks. Try it all on for size. Try the magic of expectancy, Ernest Holmes says. The magic of expectancy. Magic is not a word he uses a lot in his writings. The magic of expectancy. You better get in on this experiment. The magic of expectancy, he says it makes life a game that is a joy to play. You in? <laughs> life a game that is a joy to play. It enables you to enter into the spirit of things and of people. It's transformative in all the ways that we are praying for and dreaming for. Yes? So look, in this it, with this notion of, of transformation, I want to bring you a story from, a Bible story from uh, the ninth chapter of John and verses 1 through 7. I'm probably going to have to come back here next week and, and do a little more with this because I only want to highlight, and it's so rich and juicy and deep simultaneously at the same time. Look here. This is where, in this scripture, this is where the master teacher, Yeshua, um, heals the blind man <clears throat> who, pardon me, it is clarified for us that this man was born blind. Now, to me, that feels very much like, like what the stuff we see on social media where, you know, everybody gets in everybody's business. Like it's your business whether he's born blind or not, and then you get to have an opinion about it and write a whole tune about whether you believe he was healed or not. But what it says to me is people just people across all time, whether you got social media or whether they standing by the curb or where the curb will be in thousands of years. So look at here. What happens in this is the blind man, um, there's, a, there's a discussion about the blind man, first of all, because not unlike, unlike how we are. And, and Minister Sherry, who was here last week chopping it up and doing a fine job with giving us a call to action, even she spoke to how, how we criticize, how we, we want to know, but why are you homeless? Is you just trifling? 
Why, why aren't you, you just don't want to work is why you unemployed. Like, what's that have to do with you? I mean, for real, for real, what does that have to do with you and your open heart for all humanity? See, this is where you don't have to wait till you're homeless or unemployed before you can empathize. That you can simply develop empathy because it is a human trait, a human characteristic that you could, can easily expand on. So these folks are wanting, the conversation among the rabbis and even the disciples are whether this, how did this man get to be blind? Was he being punished by, the, well, he was born, if he was born blind, was his parents bad? Was he, because people believed at one time that what was happening in the womb even was an effect of what folks had done in the family. You know, and they believed in terms of speaking a word, uh, an evil word could have an effect as well. Am I making sense with that? Okay. So, um, so they're asking the master teacher, uh, so how did this man, this, man, this man, how did this man end up blind is the question. And Yeshua essentially says that neither did the man sin nor did his parents sin. So he's just collapsing this idea of us being at the effect of karma. That was a huge part of the master teacher's ministry was to dissolve some of the beliefs that were holding people trapped. Can you see the trap that if you believe in karma? Because it's what done unto you as you believe. How are you going to work that out? Now, there is a law of cause and effect. It is fluid. When you change your mind, it changes. Why? Because your mind is the key. What you believe in, change what you believe, you change your outcomes. Oh, I need to see all y'all in summer school. Because all of this is essential as foundational to how life gets to be the way it is. And we believe some stuff that compromises our ability to understand clearly is how I'm going to say that. So look at here. Uh, there are a couple of pieces to this scripture that I want to, that I want to highlight because what happened in it is the master teacher takes on this idea of that I am in the world to do this work. I'm here to, to set all this straight right now. All this that y'all are talking about on social media, about if it's right or wrong or good or bad or all that. I'm here to set all that straight. Now, you see, I just mixed it up. Y'all have to keep up. Because I'm talking about now and then because we humans are not that different. We're still acting like we can act with each other. We're missing the point. Yes? So he's saying, I'm here to do this. But here's what he does. After he says that he's the, I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world, and after he said all that, it says that he spat on the ground, made clay, used the spittle and the clay, uh, and the dirt, rather, the red dirt, to make a clay. And then he put that clay on his eyes, which is a form of anointing. Y'all going to have to keep up now. Because often, let me just say this about that too. 
often we are fed scriptures, we have historically been fed scriptures, discouraging us to ever read for ourselves and allow the divinity to reveal the truth to us, but just memorize it and be pat with it and just, I don't know, do what? Except devolve in your spirituality rather than evolve your spirituality through ever-increasing understanding and application. Because if you're not ap ap applying the scripture in any way, it ain't for you. Because that's the point, is how is it active in your life? What have you gleaned that has you shift in some way is the idea here. So look at here. So now he has anointed him, anointed his eyes, and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which by direct interpretation is said to mean sent. However, what it means is to deny away the false idea. So the idea here, so go wash is also saying deny the universal race belief in the reality of, and the power, the reality and power of matter. So it's saying, don't do that. Go wash, go, go get cleaned up. Go get rid of what is having you be stuck in how it's been. What did we say in the very beginning? I have been that I have been. I am that I am, and I will be what I will be simultaneously. So sure enough, there's something that originated in blindness. There's something that originated in my life as double pneumonia. I told y'all I received the last rites, etc. I was not expected to live. There are a bunch of us who have had the last rites or been given a prognosis that is right now. I I was just I was sharing with someone about about cataracts because probably about two almost two years ago now. I checked, I was having difficulty, and the diagnosis was cataracts, and I would need to probably, would need to look at surgery. And uh, went to the ophthalmologist and, you know, had that conversation. And then I thought, let me see another, let me get another opinion. And did that and shown up, but what the ophthalmologist said is, um, because I was like, mm, not really interested in the surgery, I'm going to explore. She was like, you know, don't worry about it, because in six months you'll be back here begging for it. Beca and I understood what she was saying. It was not with attitude. It was that given what she knows about the eye and the ophthalmologist, their very science is about the eye. They're the experts in the eye. And so what she was saying is based on what she knows about the eye and where my progression, because she's looking at the file. I've been there for years. So she's looking at, she's like, given this progression in six months, you'll, be, you'll need somebody to bring you in here and ask for. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm making light, but I'm also, what I'm trying to say is that we each have some responsibility in our circumstances. So because it's done unto you as you believe, and it's done unto me as I believe, I didn't want to believe that. I thought, you know, I believe something else. She may be correct, in which case I'm going to go on in there and get the thing, because I'm going to see I'm committed to seeing it, having the best vision I can possibly buy. It's, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not acting like, you know, this stuff is, I ain't mad about lenses. Get some frames you like. 
You know what I'm saying? Okay, so. So as I sat with it, because what you have to stop the action. You can't just talk about it. And I've only spoken about it because I was sharing with a friend. And right now, I can't even tell you why I'm telling you, but it's come up for me to tell you right now. Um, as I sat still with it, and I thought, you know, I, I, I like doing research I like doing. And so I started researching. Cataracts and I, blah, 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 and I ordered some supplements. I started doubling up on the supplements. Did my research, talked to some folks, and thought, well, that'll do that. I said, any harm in me just taking it all? Got some Chinese herbs, started some acupuncture. And when I went back to the ophthalmologist a year later, I saw him do a double take. I saw it, but I wasn't thinking about it because I had forgotten. I wasn't, th it had become my routine. So I wasn't thinking about a specific outcome in that moment. I really wasn't. But I saw him do the, he said, well, now, <laughs> wait a minute. You're, the cataracts are, what do you, what, have you been doing anything? I'm not sure I have. Been doing supplements and acupuncture. He said, well, keep doing that. Keep doing that. He said, because it's very different. It has, in fact, not only has it not progressed, but it has receded in that way. And so I'm like, but look, 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 look. This is not special. This is not, I don't have nothing. I'm not selling nothing. Ooh, wish I could, ooh. But no, I don't have nothing. It's not an infomercial other than use the expectancy. What did the man say? He said, expectancy seeds progress. It fools it. So I expected that something else could happen, that there could be, or I would not have been ordering the supplements, or I would not have been taking the supplements, or I would not have been seeing the acupuncturist, or I certainly would not have been taking those Chinese herbs. Because if you take Chinese herbs, you know you got to be committed to take these Chinese herbs. You're not taking them for the taste. You're taking them because what you have an expectancy of something else. So look, this idea of, of, of washing in this water is, is part of the process, and it's less about the water than the meaning of it, the symbolism of letting it go, of transmuting the false idea that you've obviously been embracing that you can't see and go see worse than you see now into another idea for you. And this is around everything. So I am not in, let me just say, I just feel like I got to say the disclaimer. I am not in opposition to doctors. Didn't I tell you I went to see several? But they cannot think for me. They have studied, and I'm grateful. Take my little health insurance, get in there quickly to find out what do y'all know about this, and then I go off and use that in combination with my divine expectancy to see what I can mix up in this, yes? So the idea here is to affirm the spirituality of all substance. Look, I, brought, I need to bring you just a little bit of Rocco Erico. 
Rocco Errico, who's talking about this, uh, the expectorant, the, the spittle that uh, the master teacher Yeshua was uh, used and also this whole process. So here's what he says. He says, spitting was often a way of repudiating disease. Now, some of y'all who grew up with Big Mama and them, y'all already know that. But you might not have made the connection. You know that when it was a, when it was a repudiation, there had to be some spit. You, come on now, you need to line this up. Because we know what we know, but we have often been trained out of the truth that we know, the practices that we know, what has worked for us. We've been trained to just abdicate our knowing and do some other stuff. I'm just saying, he didn't say that part, I just. He said that spitting was often a way of repudiating disease and people's belief in sickness. We might have to do some spitting around here. Because we have a strong belief and commitment to sickness. That's where our expectancy is. We have an expectancy that at a certain age, and it's, it's, it permeates everything. So I am personally breaking my own barriers. Because the world is not shy about telling you, oh, you had a birthday? Then you can expect. I'm like, no, why would I do that? Why would I invest in that being my outcome? Ooh, I'm just saying. So, I'm trying to read what the man wrote. He said, Jesus could heal just by saying a word. He used clay so that the blind man would have to go and wash his eyes. Do you see what I'm saying? Ain't that like Big Mama and them? I didn't have to use that, but needed to do something so that you would then take the next step. I'm trying to tell y'all something, that there is divine order in all of this. So it's like, I'm going to put the clay on the eye. Now, you know I don't need no clay. Why he need clay? He don't need no clay to clear up the man's eyesight. But I'm going to do the clay so you're going to have to go wash. Because it's the washing that is the divine ritual. It's the uncovering. It's the realization that it's different now. The healing had already happened for the man. That's what Rocco Erico is telling us about this scripture, that it already happened. Now, I'm probably going to come back next week and talk about, talk about it a little more. But I just want to, Ernest Holmes, in his um, This Thing Called You, which all of the quotes today, most all, some of the quotes, something, came from This Thing Called You by Ernest Holmes. And in that book, in this book, on page 98, and it goes over a little bit to 99, he says, the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus was always talking about, is also your kingdom. You know, I thought about when I read that, that, I can't remember anybody ever having said that to me. That that kingdom that the master teacher, Yeshua, talked about, that that's my kingdom. I mean, I kind of, I figured it out. You know, I teach this stuff. But for somebody to just say the words out loud, that the kingdom he always talked about is my kingdom. 
The spirit which was within him is in everyone equally available, giving to itself alike to every age, every culture, everybody. It is neither the power, the presence, nor the law that you lack. If you do lack anything, and you probably don't, I said parenthetically, it is a consciousness, an inner spiritual awareness. This consciousness is a thing of thought and conviction. It's a thing of thought and conviction. We, we often, we do pretty good with the thought. It's the conviction where we're light. We have the thought and then we forget we thought it. But the conviction of the thought is what holds us in the power of the infinite possibility. It is a thing of faith and understanding. No one can give this to you but yourself. Oh, I know we've been wanting somebody to give it. Some of y'all want me to give it. <laughs> it. Nobody can give it. This ain't that. Nobody, not the priest, not the, not the, nobody. Nobody can give it. You must do it yourself. And if you have it, here's the thing. Nobody can take it away from you either. So don't be mad that nobody can give it to you. Because if they could, it would mean somebody could also take it away. So this is for you. And I know we're not comfortable when it comes down to what for me to do. How am I going to do it? You're going to figure it out. But you're going to need to get still. You're going to need to get, get an inner stroke of listening. And see, this is why I love that we're doing our devotional within the service. Because for some of you, your lives are so busy. And, and there's an element of chaos often around you. But if you can just be still for those few moments that we do it together, you will find in time that there will be an inner stroke that supports the outcomes that you most want to, to have and are important for you to have. Ernest Holmes says, again, still in this, um, this thing called you, people are attracting things to themselves which they do not consciously desire. You didn't need him to tell you that. I tell you that all the time. The thing is that he adds is the th we, we attract to ourselves the things we don't desire, but that we are unconsciously identified. So we think because we're maybe black and of African ancestry and of a certain age that that means, yep, I'm about due for the, you haven't gone yet? They haven't told you yet? You better get that checked. Well, I'm not, think, I'm not, that's not what I'm expecting. See that divine expectancy? I'm not using it on that. I'm not expecting to have the, I'm not, see, you notice I'm avoiding naming it even. Because it's, it doesn't have anything to do. Now, if I get that, I will deal with it in the way that I'm guided to deal. But I'm not going to be in expectancy, what, at my birthday party? It's my birthday gift? No, we're not doing that. He says the subjective state of our thought 
is an accumulation. This is why as we believe is so important. While these subjective images of thought act as a cause, only as long as they're permitted to. They can be uprooted and others put in their place. Often we have likened it to a garden. You look out there and like, ooh, I don't like those and the way what they're attracting and whatever. What do you do? You either go out there and get it up or you get somebody to get it out of your garden. Or you live with it for decades and just complain and be at the effect of it. Pick something. He says you must take the time to do this, but it's worth the effort of replacing thoughts. The thoughts that no longer serve with thoughts that do serve. Your whole aim is to bring your mind to a place where it consciously accepts the good it desires. That sounds easy. That's no small feat for people who have denied their good, denied their worthiness, denied their access. And around them, there's not a one of us who doesn't know the story about somebody who came up just like that and is not at the effect of it. Somebody who formally did all those things, but they're not at the effect of it. Sitting here in this room right now, there are folks who did that, but they're no longer at the effect of that. Their, their life right now denies that that experience was ever a part of it, except that the people know that they're standing on that as the divine foundation and motivation and inspiration for the shift. Oh, Octavia Butler takes us right there. Yes, madam does. She says, all that you touch, you change. In some way, shape, or form, she says, all that you change, changes you. She says, only lasting truth is change. So look, I think Sam Cooke said it best. He said, it's been a long Lord knows it's been a long time coming, a long time coming. Some of us have cursed it. It's been so long. We've been cursing time. Some of us have given up. we just like, I'm through. I don't, yeah, I can't take another disappointment in that. My heart is broken around it, but I've come today to say, although it's been a long time coming, we are in divine expectancy. Remember our experiment? This is where the rubber meets the road for show. This is where in our divine experiment, we are in divine expectancy of change. The change we pray for. The change we vision and envision, the change that we dream of, we must know this day and always a change is going to come. Why? Because what? I am as I have been. I am as I am now, as it will be. That collapses it because a change is happening now. Charles Peoples, 
with Sam Cooke's seminal piece, A Change is Gonna Come. Like the river I've been running ever since. It's been a long, long time coming, and I know a change will come. Yes, it is. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. Cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long, long I'm coming I know a change will come yes it is I go to the movie and then I go Somebody keep telling me, don't hang around. It's been a long, long time coming, and I know a change will come. Yes, it Then I go to my brother And I say, brother, help me, please But he winds up knocking me down Down, oh Carry on. 
Good morning, good day, heart and soul. It is so good to see everyone here and good to be seen by those in many places. I'm Reverend Angelo Allen, staff minister here at Heart and Soul Center of Light. And I am really still just, just full of amazement at a quotation by Ernest Holmes that Reverend Andriette shared right at the beginning. I wrote it down where he said, Enthusiastic anticipation and happy contentment is the seed of our faith. Well, right here and right now, we have an opportunity to water that seed. This is our time of gracious giving, and there are many ways in which you can give. And for those of you who are uh, assembled here in the house this morning, we have in the front of the sanctuary a giving box. And I'm going to invite you as we are giving to simply come up to the box, deposit your gift, and then you can uh, resume your seat. And for those of you in other places, what you need to know is that you can also simply send a check to Heart and Soul Center of Light at 5627 Telegraph Avenue, number 405, Oakland, California. You can also give online at our Heart and Soul website. That's heartsoulcenter.org slash give. Last but not least, if you have a smartphone, you can simply text the word give to 510-500-5849. And at Heart and Soul, we have a tradition of blessing our good before it is even given. And this establishes our intention for the good that our gift will do in the world immediately. So with your gift in hand, I invite that maybe you just place your gift over your heart or otherwise place your hand over your heart, knowing that the greatest gift there could ever be is that gift of life that's beating under your hand as we say together, I bless this gift as healing energy and send it into the divine flow of all good. Infinite prosperity circulates through me, through my church, and throughout the world because I know God as source. And so it is. Thank you so much. And if you have a gift, please feel free to bring it up to the box. And I'm going to also welcome back our own Reverend Andriette Earl. Revelo. 
it is a treat to have uh, Revelo up in the pulpit and doing, he is doing, let me just say for the record, he is do he got all the jobs. He is, he has taken full responsibility for our love streaming, which you can imagine is a mammoth task to have brought us from not streaming to the amazing streaming that he's doing. We are, y'all know what we are. We, it's, it's working beautifully and in large part because of his continuing education and his commitment to excellence for heart and soul. So thank you, Revelo. And thank you also for, for coming up. We are looking for more and more of that. I'm just grateful for the whole crew. There's a, a crew of folks who are online greeting you. There are folks here in the room who are greeting the few people. Just if you're, if you're at home and giving me the side eye because you haven't been invited here, let me just say that the only invitations have gone to those folks who are in service. And that's the only reason Leadership, well, that's service. So let me just give the whole category. No one who is, uh, only those who are in service are invited to be in the room. And it's so that we can really begin as we are, we have a soft opening date for mid-August. As things are unfolding, that could be September. It will be whatever feels safe. But in the meantime, we have right now 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, four, counting me, I think that we might be 15 people in the room. So our intention, I'm the only one who is, does not have on a mask, by the way, uh, and only folks who are coming up to speak take off their mask when they are here. So uh, I just want you to know how grateful I am for those folks who are coming in to make sure we have feedback and are in our readiness, in our divine preparation for opening our doors. It's not a reopening because there's no, you know, this is a whole new normal. We're not going back to nothing. And uh, I can't think, talk to me if you have, if you can't see yourself, if you only see yourself going back to something. And this is no exception. This is a brand new experience in all of the ways uh, for those of us who are doing it. So huge thank you for everybody who is in the room now. Those of you who are tuning in, and I'm going to give you an assignment as well. Invite others to tune in with you. I know early on we were encouraging you to have viewing parties, and I want to get back to that. Kiki, I'm going to ask you to help with that and see how we can really encourage people, because there's some good stuff happening, if I say so myself. And I'm encouraging you to share it with others and gather so that y'all could have brunch together after, online, however you want to do it, and make sure that you're keeping yourself safe. So thank you for uh, Audrey Gilbert, for her song and her beautiful delivery, for Charles Peebles III, who did a magnificent delivery of uh, Sam Cooke's uh, seminal work, A Change Is Gonna Come, because I wanted to emblazon that, to, to really put an impress on your, on your mind around that. And you know, and I'm assigning it as work for y'all to do, is be a part of summer school. 
play at whatever level you can engage, but be there. And we begin on Wednesday. I'm going to remind you, going to ask them to play the little, uh, our little trailer real quick so that you can see. And this gives you a chance to do the registration. I'm going to ask the folks online if you would post right now the link so that folks can get right in there and get registered because there's no way to attend without registering. So get that little bit of the business done. And here is the trailer. It begins on Wednesday. When you trust and open your heart, life seems to take a brand new start. When you trust, when you believe, get ready for the good things you will receive. Let the power in you tell you just what to do. for that little voiceover moment. I call myself acknowledging Revelo for the beautiful trailer that he created. I also want to give a shout out to my brother Lonnie Berry who wrote the lyrics and music as well as Charles Peebles III whose vocals we got to hear and certainly Valerie Joy Fidmont and David Dupart who did all the mixing to uh, put it together for us. So that's our trailer. Be there or be square, y'all, because it's going to be on for real. So look, for our closing treatment, I am drawing from this thing called you. If you have that book and have read it or are willing to pick it up again and take another look, there are so many treatment excerpts, if you will, just those pieces that can easily be included in a treatment because I know many of you are working on expanding your building your treatments. And so I am going to infuse this treatment with Ernest Holmes' words as well from this thing called you. And so I ask that you just join me in a conscious awareness of the perfect divinity that surrounds and enfolds and imbues all life. 
So I recognize right here, I know and I know that I know that there is one life and that that life is the living one, the strong one, that known by any name or any nature, I know it's the all in all, that indeed God is truly all there is, the living one, the strong one, the the mighty I am presence, perfect source is all there is. And if it's all there is, and it is, then it must include me and everyone within the sound of my voice that we are all expressions, aspects of that the source of our very being is the divine, is the all in all, the living one, the strong one, that each and every one of us, what this means is that each of us is breathing the breath of the divine. And the breath of the divine is breathing each and every one of us, that the living one is living each and every one of us, and we are living the life of the living one, that this is the truth about us and how we come together in this individual and collective oneness that is true. And so knowing this, knowing that there is but one and knowing that God is, and I am. God is, and all is. Knowing this, I speak. I use my voice for Ernest Holmes' words, which I recognize as the words of the divine, the truth of the divine. The spirit of infinite peace flows through my whole being, I declare and know that I live, move, and have my entire existence in this peace. I know there is no judgment, no condemnation, and no fear. I realize that everyone and everything is struggling toward the light. I know that peace exists at the center of everything. I let go of all confusion and permit myself to rise into that realm of pure spirit which is forever free from doubt and uncertainty. I know that God is right where I am. I know that there is an inner presence in everything. I know that this presence responds to me. I know that everyone is an incarnation of the divine and that the living spirit breathes through all. I recognize this spirit and it responds to me. I realize that everything is alive, awake, and aware with spirit. I commune with this divine presence. The spirit within me reaches out and communes with the spirit in everything and everyone I contact. It is the same spirit in all, over all, and through all. And for this awareness and for the operation of this truth in my life and in the lives of those who hear this and claim this is true, I give thanks. I give thanks for the divine and perfect order in the universe that is manifest in our lives. I give thanks. It is with an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving that I release this word into the perfect activity of law, that I propel it through my knowing, through my belief, through my willingness to accept it as self, 
that I propel it into the divine activity of the law, which I know is love. And it's perfect and complete and permeates this word completely. I know that it's not possible for it to return void. I know that it must absolutely produce in like kind. And so I am in divine expectancy of this word manifest in my life and in the lives of those who are within the sound of my voice. I let go. I let God. And then I seal it. I seal it for all eternity, knowing that it's done and done well in God. I simply say, Ashe. Amen. And so it is. Love matters, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. Love